He konai pūrangi tēnei nā 4 and 5 films mo te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora koutou, just a little heads up. In this episode, we are going to be hearing about some pretty hard stuff, like whakamomori or suicide, depression and loss. If you do choose to listen, please take care. We also think it's pretty important to mention that this episode is definitely about personal stories. It's not intended to replace the advice of your medical professionals. So please listen with that in mind. We just want to add a little something extra to the corridor for you to think about. Aroha nui. May we boundlessly dream of possibilities beyond our wildest imaginations. I dream of a world where we can be our fluid selves. May we weave communities of support, compassion and active solidarity. I dream of a world where we can come together. With our histories in front of us and our tūpuna at our shoulders, may we walk into a future that is connected and thriving for all. I dream of a world where Māori people have got our land back. Where Takatapui can be free. Where Indigenous knowledge is recognised. And as we heal the Taiyo, we naturally heal ourselves. My name is Kahukutia, and this is Hikaka Noaho, Season 2. Piki mai, kake mai. Like many of us within Te Ao Māori, I carry a grief born of losing loved ones to suicide. I also think about all those I've loved and almost lost, the ones who are still here. This episode is pretty close to my heart. It's really hard to even think about all the reasons why stuff like this happens, and I don't necessarily think we're the best at talking about it, because it is hard. But I have so many questions, and as always, I have a hunch that maybe there are some answers in the knowledge of our people. In this episode, we're going to head to a really dark place. That one really took a big toll off me. And my family too. And meet some of the people shining a light. And they come out knowing that they can get through this. Māori youth are among the most overrepresented in the world when it comes to statistics for youth suicide. There's a report from UNICEF in 2020 that shows that our youth suicide statistics are the second highest in all countries termed to be developed. That's the international perspective. When we come down to Aotearoa, we see that Māori make up about a quarter of all suicide numbers, and it gets especially bad for 15 to 24-year-olds. This is the place that really sparked my research. This is Ricky Solomon. He's an embalmer from Tāmaki Makaurau, and he's worked with a lot of whānau who have lost their loved ones to suicide. We'll hear more about the research part soon. We will get phone calls and asks to, oh, we've got another young person that's taken their life. It used to be frustrating for us. Not that we didn't want to help them, but we're like, well, what's going on? Why do we have to come in? And that's why I started looking uh, outside of here. What can we do in the community to have a look what's going on and what can we use of Mātauranga Māori or Māori um, frameworks that could help out or empower our people. I don't like using the word help. Well, I always say we don't need help. We have everything we need, we just need the space to create that. The space we were in is a really great example of that, though you'd never know it from the outside. We're in a really industrial part of Tāmaki, and Ricky's building looks like a random warehouse. Some of them are quite like, oh, when I go out there to meet them, they're like, oh, is that it? Why have you got them in a shed? It's a slightly weird place to find an embalmer. 
But the moment you step inside, it all makes sense. We don't like to call it a funeral home. We call it he whare ko iwi, which is a whare for all iwi to come. In this whare ko iwi, whanau who've lost a loved one can come, they can sit, they can eat, they can hear kōrero. Everything about this place is designed to aid this healing process that we have and to help contextualise a whanau's loss. From the colour of the tiles on the floor to the many, many artworks lining the walls. Each artwork creates a, a conversation that is around the loss of their loved one, and, but we can use them as narratives um, to help them through their mourning. They leave here happier than what they came in, and that's our whole purpose is they come out with um, determination, they come out being empowered and enabled knowing that they can get through this. Come back to Ricky, and I know he has a lot of great stuff to say, but first I want to introduce you to someone else. We're on our way to Manurewa in South Tamaki Makoto. We're heading into a neighbourhood that I've never been in before, to the home of a rapper called Ranui Mars. Ko Fakarara te maunga, ko Wainui te awa, ko Wainui te marae, ko Ngātirua mahoe te um, hapu, ko Ngāpui te iwi. Yeah, I'm just a Māori Polynesian rapper from uh, Rānui, and I go by the name of Rānui Mas. What is my purpose? Tell me, why do I feel worthless? My heart's burning, I keep urging, we still searching for better days. They never come in my way. The oppressor got me hanging on the dresser. I question my faith. Te Maramatanga knows what it's like to lose a loved one to suicide. And actually, he talks about it really openly in his music. I think that's really powerful, especially coming from a Tane Māori. Yeah, I make music and um, help try to influence my own people in a way, I guess away from suicide. Te Maramatanga invites us into his lounge, and while we're setting up our mics, he's having a cuddle with his pepe. When he was born, and just looking at him, it's like, it's buzzy ass, because you're like, bro, I made this, you know? This guy was a sperm cell, and I made him. It's just unbelievable that humans can make humans, you know? It's like, it just buzzes me out. It's crazy, it's crazy. I know, I've seen it many times on TV and everything, never thought I'd do it myself, you know? It's like, bro, it's like, man, I just produced this. Eventually, Te Maramatanga's partner comes to take baby for a nap. Just like with his music, it doesn't take him that long to get into the tough stuff. I should lost two brothers, eh? One was to suicide. That was my, my oldest brother. His name was Simon. Um, he passed away when he was 20 years old. That was uh, way back in 2004. That there was kind of like a, a sort of wake-up call for my family. Like, um, we never had a suicide in our family. So when that happened, it was kind of like a shock. Me, I was young. I was, I was still trying to understand what what was going on. It was my first like funeral I've ever been to. Never been to a funeral before. Don't know, you know. Don't even know what death is, you know, at that age. But um, just wasn't all there. Like, didn't really know what was going on. Not until a few years later, then I realised, oh damn, like, you know, that was my older brother and all that. And 
I have like, you know, just so little memories about him. Then back in 2018, uh, I lost another younger brother. His name was D'Artagnan. I don't know if you've seen the, the movie Three Musketeers. He was like named after that character, D'Artagnan on there. Um, but um, yeah, he passed away in 2018. He was 17 years old. That one really, really took a big toll off me and my family too, you know. Um, it was a really dark, just a really dark place to be in for, for us. I took that one really personally. Like I grew up with the follow, you know, and I, I, I you know, I loved them and like, I was I was there with them 24/7, you know. So for something like that to happen, it was quite a big gap, you know, put into our lives. It did cause a lot of mental issues, you know. I did like flip out at times and break down a lot. I, I used to get phone calls sometimes, and I used to panic. That's how I found out. I found out through a phone call. So every time I got a phone call during those times, I used to always not want to pick it up because I didn't want to hear news of someone passing away or news of my siblings being hurt or something. And like, it's a real big effect on, on just normal life things, you know? It's normal to pick up the phone, but it's not normal to pick up the phone and find out someone, you know, one of your loved ones is gone. This is what it can be like to lose someone that you love out of the blue. Little things like picking up the phone suddenly become terrifying. If you don't have the time or the resources or the people that can help you process, it can feel impossible to return to anything like a normal life. A lot of fun was how we never saw it coming. We're back now with our embalmer, Ricky Solomon. But I would all like to add to that is that we didn't hear it coming because there's tohu dropping. I think it's important to mention that we're not saying whanau who've been through this type of loss weren't paying enough attention. For me, I think it's more that there are so many ways our internal world can impact on the external world around us. Maybe just by learning to read and hear these tohu, we can come together into stronger connection. I use my children as an example. I can tell by the way the front door closes what sort of day they had. Or if their bedroom doors are closed when they're normally open, you know, mapangaro, there's something going on that's been hidden. When I say hearing it, we may hearing it within our ears, but also hearing it within our ngaka or hearing it within our, our poupuku intuition. You know there's something wrong, but you, we don't act on that. Those are the hearing that we're talking about. When Fano come to see Ricky, he hopes that they'll leave empowered and determined, and he has a whole bunch of tools that he uses to help this. One of the tools that he uses, which he thinks is so powerful he's dedicated his PhD to it, is the maramataka. Mm. 
The maramataka is this knowledge system that we have around moon cycles, how they affect our internal and external worlds. This is how our tipuna organise their time, and today it's slowly making a revival. Maramataka was always used around planting kai, fishing, that's how we've always used it. But? There's more to it. A number of years ago, I got caught up with uh, Papa Matua Ririata, and he was talking about the maramataka. Maramataka meaning the dissension or falling of the moon. And so I went through my nan's uh, journals, and in our whānau it was called he maramatanga Māori. Maramatanga meaning to be enlightened. That changed the whole concept. So Ricky started to understand that the maramataka can be used for so much more than the production and the harvest of kai. We can use it for guidance and enlightenment. And he started to wonder if he could apply that to his own mahi. Hey, can we track the incidence of suicide and determine it by looking at the maramataka? And he straight away said, yep, we can. So that's where, that's where it all began. Before they started, Reriata Makiha told Ricky, if our maramataka is right, August should be the highest. When we looked at our research, July and August, especially August, was the highest month of suicide every year. That month was often known as Hereturikuka, but was also known as Te Pairangi. Te Pairangi references a time when our atua were in battle. In Ricky's vision of the story, this is the battle where Tafiri Matea's eyes were cast into the sky to become Matariki. Tafiri left us a tohu of Matariki to remind us that we're coming into the coldest part of the year. Not just our tinana, our wairua, our hiningaro. So when we have a look at celebrating Matariki, Matariki is not just about celebrating the new year. Matariki is a tohu to bring whānau together to celebrate and to keep each other warm. The other name for August, that period around that time, is known as Te Aupunga. That's an old kupu. Te Aupunga meaning our tūpuna will come and gather those that have been neglected, our wairua, our tinana, our hiningaro. So if we can't look after them, they will. They come and take those that have been neglected. I'm listening to this kōrero and I can't help but feel heavy. Beyond whakamomori, I'm reminded that all of us at some point have these feelings of sadness, of heaviness and being lost. I think maybe it's time for me to go see my own whānau. So we've just come over the hill and uh, are entering into the beginning of the Waimana Valley. Um, it's a very beautiful autumn day. 
I grew up on Matahi Valley Road. Heaps of our marae are on this road. Man, but yeah, this place being here is, um, brings me a lot of joy. These mountains raised me in all of my formative years. I learned to drive along these roads. But um, it, Matahi Valley Road pretty much takes you right up into the valley as far as you can go. We are a long way from Tamaki Makoto now, on the rolling green hills and dusty roads of Te Urewera. This is Waimana, my home, the centre of my world. This is the place that brings me peace. My sister lives here still, just down the road from where I grew up. She's the one we're here to see. We meet at one of our marae, Rahiri. Rahiri o Terangi. This is um, our Farinui, and our Farikai is his wife, Ahua Iti. We grab some chairs and sit in the corner of the Fari. I didn't spend a lot of time here as a kid because it was always being renovated. Today, though, we're surrounded by crisp white walls and beautiful photos of all of our tipuna. We just had one of our iramatu come from Auckland. Things were getting a bit heavy for her. So she came home and she came to sleep in our whare. And then when things had settled for her, she was ready to go back. And sometimes, you know, you don't need others to be here. There's enough people here on. Um, this can be a place of solace. This can be a place of peace. And sometimes that's all you need. Before we kick off another one of our trademark two-hour yarns, my big sis introduces herself. Like Ricky and Te Maramatanga, Emma spends a lot of time thinking about suicide prevention. It's been her job for almost 20 years now, and she's one of many grassroots kaimahi around the country. So there was a research done in the late 90s. Uh, there was a bit of a concern arose around the fact that there were a lot more rangatahi Māori dying by suicide than those in motor vehicle accidents. A report was commissioned and Takutuakana Kiri Dahulawson, she was the principal writer of that. After seeing that report, the Ministry of Health kicked off a kaupapa called Kiapiki Te Ora o Te Tai Tamariki. Emma was encouraged to apply for one of the local roles. In those early days, it was specifically focused on rangatahi. These days, Kiapiki Te Ora is focused on outcomes for all Māori, which is maybe a tohu of how far-reaching this problem is. I really struggled to think what would happen if there wasn't a kaupapa like Kiapiki Te Ora working in our Māori communities, especially knowing, you know, the statistics uh, haven't been good for Māori haven't been good for Māori at all, per head of population. And, um, you know, just an example from when I started back in 2002, uh, the national rate of suicide for the whole of Aotearoa was just hitting 500. So from just hitting 500, you know, back in 2002, 
uh, you know, we, we know that in the 2019-2020 um, period, there were 684 deaths that were by suicide. So that's huge. Māori have always featured high in the stats per head of population. So it's not getting any better. But you know, Kapakiti Ora has a point of difference in how we deliver. It's through a, a kaupapa Māori focus. Hey, it's through Fano Hapu Iwi and Hapuri. Um, we use what is inherent in us as Māori to uh, become those protective factors. It makes so much sense to me that if we're trying to improve the well-being of Māori, we rely on Māori solutions. But what are those solutions? Ricky Solomon has a couple of ideas. There's the Whakatauaki which is a First Nation one, which basically goes ako here te tikunga, kia ako, ako here te puno, kia marama, ako here te pūrāko, kia maumahara e whakairo te rawetia i te ngākau which in essence is teach me the facts and I'll learn, tell me the truth and I'll understand, but tell me a story and I'll remember that forever in my heart. Yes, whakatauki, pūrāko, waiata, karanga, whai kōrero. Our tipuna were oral people and coded so much of the things they knew into verbal kōrero. These are some of the things that we call nā taonga tukuiho, or the treasures passed down to us. And they are filled with guidance, advice and affirmations of identity and belonging. One of the really annoying consequences of colonisation is that so much of this kōrero was obscured or destroyed. Some of the knowledge is still there, but some is gone forever. We know, though, that within Te Ao Māori, a story is never just a story. And so that's what we did with the starter, was to indigenise it so it told a story. Then the whānau remember the story. They don't remember all the data, but they will remember the story that they're going through, and they're able to navigate themselves through their darkest time. So here's an example. Within every lunar phase of the maramataka, every day has a different name. Those names offer us guidance for what we should be getting up to on that particular day. One of them is Ōturu, and it's a time when we do see suicide statistics get higher. If you look at the whakapapa of Wurumu Tāwhai, what he writes about it, Ōturu means calm and beauty approaches. Because someone that's going through their they're looking for their calm and beauty. The day before Ōturu was often a day called Atua Whakahaihai. Now Atua Whakahaihai means the Atua are in disagreement, meaning when we look at an individual, if they're conflicted, the day before Ōturu, you would observe and watch them and make sure they're safe because if someone's going through a real heavy taumaha, 
altar it would be the pole that they would use because they're looking for their carbon beauty. Māori experience significantly higher rates of mental illness and suicide compared to non-Māori. These issues do not exist in a vacuum but are reflective of actual structural oppression. It makes sense to me then that our solutions are also structural. Lambak is suicide prevention, whakapapa is suicide prevention, climate action is suicide prevention and so too is connection, whānau, community care. This is something I talk about with Te Maramatanga. For him, being able to talk openly with his community has been huge. Yeah, hard, yo, especially with the bros, the crew. We're a collective and we do this stuff together, just being around people that you know you can trust with your word, you know, people that you know you can um, express your feelings without being embarrassed, express how how things are without being ashamed of it, you know. I feel like, um, yeah, just me to explain what it's like firsthand. It, um, I feel like it just, it just helps me a lot mentally too, you know. It stopped me from getting real bad mental health issues, you know. It stopped me from falling ill to all that sort of stuff. And another source of healing for Te Maramatanga is his art. Writing about it was a huge outlet. It, um, it really restored a lot of mana that I lost from it. It sort of rebuilt it just from me expressing it in music. It's a healing process as well for me. It really um, uplifted me in times where, where I needed it. So for me to um, use that as influence to speak about it and, and to reach out to other people that are, are going through it right now, you know, it just makes me happy that I'm able to help others get through it as well as my own self. When my day's getting dark and my car won't stop, I knew we must get in change for free. All I gotta do is spread love. Call my cuss like you got spare change for me. Time will come. You know I owe you back for all the things you did for me. Whatever you need, homie, you can call me. Depression, misery, my G, lean on me. We all gotta eat, gotta keep the faith. Gotta hold on, you know time, no wait. We all gotta eat. Gotta keep the faith, gotta hold on in no time, no way. We all gotta eat, gotta keep the faith, gotta hold on in no time, no way. We all gotta eat, gotta keep the faith, gotta hold on in no time, no way. When we come back to everything we've learned from Ricky about the Maramataka, we know that our whanau have always lived in a way that was aligned with the cycles of the Taiao. Unfortunately, the Western calendar that we have to live with isn't at all aligned with that Taiao flow. Maybe we're at a point of the Maramataka where we should be taking a rest, but it's a Tuesday and you've got work in half an hour and you've got no sick days left. Most of us can't live in total alignment, but even a little bit of knowledge can be so helpful. What we teach is finding to be balanced, find their balance in both of these worlds. It's all right for us that might grow up in the rural community, we can go 100%. If we're off the grid, we can go 100% maramataka. However, if you're in an urbanised area, you have to balance between. And that's where the power sits, because you can go, oh, today's Monday, but I feel so tired. Yeah, <laughs> and then you go, oh, I'm on a kore face. But what that does, then it can give you the ritual or the practice to get you through that. 
And it could be, oh, I just need to go to the mourner. Boom, and as you connect with the why, boom, you, 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 you're kyato again. So that's, that's how the mother is finding that balance between both. And that's the, one of the secrets of it. If you're not really sure where to start, it really is just about slowly diving into all of this knowledge that we have. There are apps you can download and books you can go and buy. More than anything, it's about just doing what our tipuna did going outside, looking at the sky, and making observations. The best thing about our matauranga is that it is so relational. The maramataka for Napuhi will not work for kahununu. If you can, try find the knowledge that specifically applies to where you are. We're coming to the end of today's episode, but I did want to finish with a little more hope and some big, big dreams. Let's hear from our kaikōrero, about what they want for the future of their whānau and their mokopuna. I dream of a world that we are environmentally centric versus human being centric. That we take care of our tuakana first. And as we heal our planet or te taiao, we naturally heal ourselves. For Te Maramatanga, any thoughts about the future are centred on his baby son. The environment I want him to grow up in is just the same environment I grew up in, you know. Aside from the poverty, you know, I'd always want him to be fed. I'd always want him to, to, to be happy and I'd always want him to chase whatever dreams he feels like chasing. But I always want him to um, just be um, just like be like how I was, always playing outside you know, running in my nappies or whatever, you know, just being himself, be free, you know, and um, and, and do do what make you, makes you feel good. As for my sister, she's been working as a kaimahi in suicide prevention for almost 20 years now, and the statistics are just getting worse. When I ask her to tell me about her hopes for the future, she starts with a story. So te ahikome were the buried volcanic fires because that was the sign of occupation in way. You could tell that that place or that piece of land was occupied by the burning fires. And our people moved to different places over the seasons. The ashes of the fires were buried and left to smoulder in Juomoko's domain. And then when they returned, the spark was put back into those fires and they burned brightly once again. For us as kaimahi within Kiapiki, we're those kaihikaahi. We are the ones that give that initial puff of breath to the fire to give it the spark. For now, Emma and other kaimahi are working hard to reignite those sparks. But one day... I would love not to have a job, because then I would know that my whanau would be able to advocate for themselves. They'd be able to support themselves. Hey, they do not need a middleman to do that for them. And they will have the kaha and street to know who they are. So, yeah, that's my answer to that is uh, to get our people to that place where I know they've been before. Um, and we can do that again. But time. So, koina. Five, oh. five cents worth. I'm going to have a tuggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, stop worry. it.
Big aroha to Te Maramatanga Ricky and Emma for your kōrero. This is such a complex topic, but I think and I hope that when we kōrero, we can start to make sense of it all. We can weave historical impact and contemporary issues, and we can hold space to move together towards the kinds of futures that we want for all of us, towards our own ahikomo. This episode has been really hard and heavy at times, so I really want to encourage you to go and have a kai, take a moment of rest, sing a waiata, or find someone that you trust to debrief with. If you need someone to talk to, you can call or text 1737 for free at any time to speak to a trained counsellor. You can also call Lifeline on 0800 543354. Coming up next, we have an episode in Te Reo Māori. We're going to head to the very bottom of Te Wai Pounamu to learn about mahinga kai practices and have a mean feed. <laughs> bon appetit. <laughs> bon appetit. <laughs> bon appetit. <laughs> Te Maramatanga is going to read us a poem now. It's by Tupac and it's the piece of writing that inspired him to start writing his own thoughts down. Did you hear about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete? Proving nature's laws is wrong, it learned to walk without having feet. Funny it seems, but by keeping its streams, it learned to breathe fresh air. Long live the rose that grew from concrete, where no one else ever cared. He Kākanoa Ho was hosted, produced and co-written by me, Kahukutia. Melody Thomas is the other co-writer and producer for the series. She also edited with the help of Kirsten Johnstone. Big mihi to our production assistants, Tahira Maio Nahi, Briar Pormana, India Logan Riley, Rebecca Parangi. Our accounts manager is Alison Pierce. Our reo advisor is Jamie Tehuya Kaul. Mark Chesterman is the series engineer, and Ursula Grace and Francis Morton are the executive producers. Music for the series created by Ruby Soli, Ma, and Ranui Maas, and our cover art is by Huriana Kopeke Teaho. So many thank yous to our poets and creatives Ranui Maas, Zimbri Aulani, Marati Kay, Taranaki Young Grace, Trinity Thompson Brown, and Sinead Overby. Big mihi to the folks at RNZ, Megan Whelan, Shannon Honui-Thompson, Justine Murray and Tim Burnell. This podcast was made with the support of RNZ and New Zealand On Air. The final big thank you is to all of our kai kōrero who shared their thoughts, hopes and dreams for this season of He Kākonoa Hau. We are so grateful. This kaupapa is for generations of Indigenous babies to come. May you be grounded, may you be hopeful. May you always be able to find your way home. Aroha nui.